0: And so to the queen bee. No, not Beyoncé, but real bees. It was about 50 years ago that Carl von Frisch showed that honeybees communicate the location of food outside the hive by dancing, and he got the Nobel Prize for his insight. But now James Nye at University of California, San Diego, has shown how
1: sophisticated the full story really is. That's correct. So bees communicate three different things about the resource using the waggle dance. The first thing is the quality of the resource, which is encoded in the number of repetitions of that figure eight motion, which is the waggle dance. The more repetitions, the better the food. And von Frisch suspected, he actually called it a kind of excitement that when they were more excited about the food, when it was better, they would curve back, they would do that return phase of the waggle dance faster. And so they could get in more waggles per unit time when they were more excited. But I think the thing that nobody expected was that they would communicate the distance to the food source in the duration of the waggle and the direction with the angle of the waggle. And these dances are two things about First is, these are very short-lived creatures. How do they learn all that? That's a great question, and it actually brings up the bigger picture that I'm interested in. Why do we have to learn to speak? Many animals don't. They are born knowing every communication, sound, or phrase, or flash of light, however their system works. Wouldn't it be great if we were born speaking Dutch? But no, instead we have to learn it. And the same thing is true of male canaries. And even naked mole rats have some component of learning. So we think there must be an adaptive value um, to it. And there are two explanations. One is that communication should be adapted to your habitat The ways in which you produce sounds, for example, in birds, we know can change depending upon their environment to counteract noise or echoes or things like that. The second thing is that it might be very complicated to communicate. Think about what is required in human utterance or in the very precise rapid utterances of a male canary, which has to be exactly correct, otherwise the poor guy is never going to find a female who's interested. And so we have the complexity of coordinating muscles and the neurons and making sure all that works. And that's another reason you might want to learn or at least practice how to communicate. Now, all of these things that I've mentioned are characteristics of very complex language. And as we mentioned, the honeybee dance communication system is the most complex animal language, aside from humans, that we know of, that actually communicates things like the distance to a food source, the location of a food source. So we thought this would be a great place to look and see, are bees actually born with their language, or do they improve based upon some template?
0: And James Nye's work has just scored the cover of Science Journal, and we'll hear more at the end of this Science Show on RN. And for our final royal presence, our queen is a bee and a study showing how honeybees brought here 200 years ago have culture, pass on knowledge and how that makes a difference. Here once more is Professor James Nye. How did you investigate that? Did you take some naive bees, as they're called,
1: which were isolated from the general population and look at them? Yes, we actually took our inspiration from Herodotus, who about 2,000 years ago published this story about an Egyptian pharaoh who wanted to learn the true human language. And so he got two children, very young, had them raised by goats and instructed the goat herd to never speak to them and to report back what were the first words that they said. Now, he came back with an answer that was incorrect and we actually don't even know if this experiment was done. But unfortunately this kind of experiment, because it's unethical and misguided, is called the forbidden experiment. It has been unfortunately actually repeated multiple times since then and the answer is that human language is learned. There is nothing innate about a word or something that we might be born with. But we could use the same thing with bees. And so what we did, the first thing is that all bees change their jobs as they get older. They start out as a young bee, as a nurse bee. They kind of get older, they start taking out the trash, building home. They finally become guard bees and at the end of their lives, about 35 to 45 days is how long they live, they become foragers. Now that means that if everybody is the same age, they're all doing the same thing. And so we, instead of young children, which would be a horrible thing to do, we took one-day-old bees and we placed them in a colony, 2,800 of them, with plenty of food and pollen and a queen, and we saw when they began their first dances. And we had a control colony that also had 2,800 bees, plenty of food and a queen, but those colonies had bees of all different ages. So it means that bees were always able to watch other bees performing the waggle dance. Whereas in the experimental colony, they never had the opportunity. Everybody was the same age. They were all progressing together. And the result was? What we found is that in the experimental colony, when bees were about nine to 10 days old, which is the same as in the control colony, they would show an interest in moving outside. And as they moved outside, we were able to take them and train them to a feeder 150 meters away. They would come back and they would waggle dance. So we were able, and this was the hard part, which I have so much admiration for my collaborators, you have to watch those bees, which are all individually marked, every hour of every day until they're 9 or 10 days old, because you must catch the first time they ever want to go out and then train them and then watch their first waggle dances. So what we found is they've made three different kinds of mistakes in comparison to the control bees, which did not make any of these mistakes. First, you communicate the direction with the angle of the waggle run. If I tell you, oh, the food source is 3 o'clock or 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock, you might say, well, which is it? Is it one o'clock? Should I go? Or is it at three o'clock? And that is a measure of what we call divergence angle error. The more different directions I'm pointing you to, the less likely you are to go to the actual correct direction. Whereas if I told you, as in the control colonies, you should go to two o'clock, two o'clock, two o'clock, with every repetition, that would give you a good sense of the direction. And in that case, there would be zero error because I'm just telling you to go in the exact same direction. So the experimental bees had directional air, significantly more. They also had distance air. So the distance is communicated in the duration of the waggle run. For example, a normal bee in a control colony might waggle dance for a quarter second to communicate 150 meters. But in the experimental colony, our bees actually waggle danced for about 320 milliseconds, So about 50% longer than they should to communicate that distance. And so they were overshooting. They were telling them to go too far. The third type of error is really interesting. It turns out that when bees consume toxic nectar, they will come back. And when there's nothing else to do or to consume, they will do this disordered dance. So they look a bit drunken. What that means is if you think of a figure skater, that is doing a perfect figure eight, it should trace a figure eight. Well, what if the figure skater doesn't? It just does half of the figure eight. Then she's just skating around in circles, she or he, and wouldn't get very good marks from the judges. So that's exactly what we measured. Are they making this correct shape? And um, we can quantify that by the number of errors they make in creating the correct figure eight shape. Why should that matter? We don't really know except that think about what's going on. Bees are on a vertical surface. They are normally in total darkness. They are surrounded by hundreds of other bees, and they are running forward at one body length a second, something that would be hard for us to do, while precisely pointing in the correct direction and precisely doing it for the right amount of time. The bees that are chasing them around, they get hit on the antenna by the waggling body of the waggle dancer. And we think that's the main way they sense the waggle dance.
0: That's In the dark, they manage to perceive it. I've never known the answer to that.
1: Yes, we now know it's largely the way their antennae are hit. So how do they know? Well... They use gravity to know how their body is positioned on that vertical. The dancer is as well, but they're translating all of that information. So it's a very difficult task. And what happens when the dancer returns around? In that return phase, she's not waggling, she's just running back. Well, there are a lot of bees running around in the colony. So how do you know which is your dancer and which is not some random bee that just got on the way? Have you ever seen a picture of a honeycomb? It's very crowded. We think the dance order, that figure eight, is important because they can predict where the dancer is going to be. And so when the dancer is doing the correct pattern, it should help them keep track of her. And that's important because a single waggle is not enough to convey enough information to tell a bee where to go. A bee has to average about seven or eight more waggles, so she really has to keep track of her dancer. And having more disorder is therefore a problem, we think, for communicating that information, although that has yet to be proven. And those were the three types of errors that we saw in our experimental bees, but not in our control bees. (laughs) It's amazing
0: because you look at the creature, it's tiny, it lives 30-odd days, as you said, and it's having to communicate wonderfully complex
1: information upon which the entire community depends and we just think they're little insects. It is amazing. They do have over one million neurons and so they are remarkably brainy for their size and they certainly need it for all the things they do. And they can navigate like that. Now, does this supply European bees
0: versus native bees, of which we've got about 2,000. Do any of our native bees in Australia do similar sorts of things, even though they don't necessarily live in big
1: communities like the Europeans sort? So I did a lot of work in Brazil and in Panama looking at stingless bees, which many people have not heard of, but I hope folks in Australia have. So stingless bees, along with honey bees, are the only highly social bees meaning that they live in perennial colonies headed by a queen that can often live for multiple years with multiple generations of her progeny. And here's the key, her daughters do not reproduce. So all the reproduction is by the queen. The daughters serve her, help each other. Anyway, so these are the highly social bees. And Lindauer looked at stingless bees because they thought they could find the evolutionary origins of the waggle dance. In the stingless bees. It was thought at that time there might be actually a relationship where honeybees were more advanced than stingless bees in terms of the phylogeny, the tree of life. We have found no evidence that Australian stingless bees have any kind of waggle dance. We know that they probably rely upon depositing attractive odors potentially pheromones, at a food source, and they can then search for that food source. They bring back the odor of the food source that they were at inside the nest, and that helps other bees know what to look for. They might even follow each other a little bit, follow the knowledgeable guide bee back to the food source, but we don't know of them producing any kind of waggle dance inside the nest.
0: Professor James Nye at the University of California, San Diego, with research published in the journal Science...